Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Will you please welcome the creator of the elderly James Bond Chronicles, is Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Estepa. Still got to read it off a piece of paper. <laughs> the worst acronym ever. Uh, we've got a fantastic guest for you today, a packed audience, including some women. Uh, so it's very exciting uh, for me. We've had a hell of a lot of fun before you all got here at home, I tell you. Unbelievable with water. Oh, man. Uh, so, pardon? And the sextant. Don't forget the sextant joke. That was the, that was the highlight for the medieval sailor uh, in the fourth row. So uh, it's not a usual heckle you get. And the sextant. Don't forget the fucking sextant. Um, I can guarantee no one's ever been heckled uh, with that uh, recently. But uh, we, uh, we'll have our guest on in a bit. Later on, sometime, someone here will have the chance to win some very exciting prizes, uh, including the reprint of the, my book, Talking Cock. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, two tickets to the next podcast. There's a week off for the Queen's rubbish Silver Jubilee, because it's 60 years. That's a rubbish Silver Jubilee. Uh, and uh, to see, uh, there'll be David Baddiel and uh, Nick Frost are the guests next time. So do come on. There are still some tickets if you want to come along and see that, or you can just listen for free at home. Oh, you didn't realise that, most of the people. Oh, what? 
You can get, of course, uh, Elliot Lyons' very clever puzzle compendium, volume one. I found out we can get that for people at home later on. Uh, Andrew Collins' audio book. Uh, yeah, a lot of people come just for the hope of winning that. And uh, AI Ottima. See, that was a proper complete on there. So that's fun. And talking the, I, I think the Queen's Diamond Jubilee is a bit of a... I'm, you know, we're taking the week off because of it next week and I'm annoyed about it. She had 60 years on the throne. I'm not going to get caught out by this because I celebrated her Silver Jubilee in 1977. We made a big fuss, street parties... Now, the 60 years, we, we went much too early. I'm going to wait until the Queen dies, and then I will celebrate then when we know how many years she's done. She can't keep on having jubilees. We've wasted it. Do you remember 1977? Yeah. How, how old were you in 1977? You, wasn't, you weren't born, were you? I was 10 years old. It was brilliant. We got a mug and a coin that probably is worth about £5,000 now. That, I hope you get one of those, a silver jubilee crown. Yeah, <laughs> old-style money. I'm not that old. Decimal currency had come in. Uh, Tony Blair's been on the telly again today. Anyone see him on TV today? Someone heckled him and said he was a war criminal. It's not as good as the sextant one, was it? Well, how you wouldn't have, he wouldn't have coped with that. He'd easy to go with the war criminal. No, I'm not a war criminal. Sextant, what the fuck? That's how you get them. Then you come in war criminal and you've got them underneath. Uh, I know he always does this with his hands, doesn't he? The, the, the people here can see what I mean, but you know what I mean at home. And I wonder if he's kind of been modelling his whole career on Kermit the Frog. Because that's his, his exact... He's thinking, if I move like Kermit the Frog, will everyone like me as much as they like Kermit the Frog? But Kermit the Frog did not start many wars. But has possibly had sex with a pig. So, uh, which will bring us on to our guest, funny enough. But, um, not that he's had sex with a pig. Oh... He wrote about the Prime Minister having sex with a pig. Uh, I've, this week I've been on Just a Minute. It's not been out yet, but I went to Bridlington to appear in Just a Minute. You know Just a Minute, the Radio 4? Clever, clever show. I got told off by Nicholas Parsons for, for interrupting too much. Which I kind of thought was the point, right? I thought you were meant to buzz in, and he said, you're being very pedantic. I said, you do it. You've done this over 45 fucking years, Nicholas Parsons. Isn't that the point? The people of the day. It was very exciting to do. He's, a, he's, a, he's been in show business for seven decades. He's worked. That's incredible. And he's still 88 years old. He's still going. That's what I'm hoping to do. That's my plan. Uh, there's two ways to go to become famous. You either burn out and die young, which I think I'm just getting a bit too old for now. <laughs> See, I think 45 people go, oh, that's a shame. Still not young enough for us. <laughs> 27, that's the age you've got to be, and then they all go at 27. Jimi Hendrix, uh, he looked like me, but uh, not, quite as, not quite as good looking. Uh, or just stay alive till everyone else is dead, and then you can rewrite showbiz history, which is what Nicholas Parsons has done, but he's an amazing man. And uh, I was watching, I shouldn't have been doing, but I was watching uh, the BAFTAs last night on TV, which just makes me furiously angry, mainly through jealousy. Because I know I'll never... It's like something's been set up, designed to, be, to rub everyone else's successes in my face. Uh, because they, they're all these people winning awards. And to me, it's like, these are people who already are successful because they're on TV, they're in successful TV shows, and they're millionaires. And then they have to have a little award ceremony at the end where someone gives them a prize as well. It's like, it's like someone saying, you're the richest person in the country, well done. You've won a million pounds extra. Well done. <laughs> Then they're all, but it was quite, I quite, quite enjoyed it just for the sake of. Um, uh, Stuart Lee won an award, which is ridiculous. I mean, imagine how many awards he'd win if, he was still, if I was still with him. That's the, he's just done that on his own. If I was Charlie Brooker, I'd be ashamed. He's been beaten by just Stuart Lee, not even Lee and Herring, just one on their own. That's uh, terrible for him. But, uh, but yeah, Mrs. Brown's boys won a BAFTA. That has slightly devalued the BAFTA for me. 
and Keith Lemon won a pretend BAFTA, which they gave him like a plastic one to take away. Uh, but again, that, these people shouldn't be winning BAFTAs. But uh, anyway, I'm very, I'm very jealous, and we might, we, I might, might talk to Charlie Brooker about. He was there. He was right there, seeing it all and losing. So, in a way, who's the real loser here? Me sitting at home doing what I want. <laughs> For him having to go in, dress up, uh, and look like an idiot. So, uh, yes, anyway, I think we might uh, move on. I, t- I was much funnier in the, when the bit they didn't record. It's a shame, but uh, I saw a fight. I saw a fight on I was in uh, Bungay on, uh, sun, yeah, on Saturday night. I'd travel around. I was in Bridlington Friday, Bungay on Saturday. I wasn't even working. I just like to travel around. <laughs> Go to places that are similar named to uh, rainbow characters. That's why I'm. That's why I'm going to Georgetown. Going to Zepatron, the offices of Zepatron. I realise now many of my now there's a man in the front row who wasn't alive in 1977. Most of my references mean nothing to you. Jeffrey, Jeff, Je- Jeffreyville. Rod, Jane, and... <laughs> Where was I? Yeah, I saw a fight. We had, there was a fight. We were in quite a nice pub, and there were me and my wife, who does exist. Uh, very nice hair. She's got lovely hair. And um, she... Uh, we were just having a drink, and a man, some men started fighting at nine o'clock in Bungay. There's nothing else to do. And uh, they were right in the, in the bar, fighting, pummeling each other on the floor. It was quite exciting. Uh, and there was women saying, you know, leave it, get to, no, leave it, and doing all that. But there was a man saying, not inside. Which, that's what... Come on, boy. Not even angry, just, come on, boys, not inside. As if if they'd gone outside and punched each other in the face, it would have been... I like, I kind of, that, the code of bar fighting there. Oh, you've really let yourself down there, fellas, with the punching each other inside the pub. Go outside! They didn't kick them out or anything. That's, that's how they live in Suffolk slash Norfolk. I'm not quite sure which one it is. I think it's Suffolk. It's Suffolk. Thank you, it's... Uh, it is Suffolk. I, I've got the, uh, the Hive Wikipedia mind here. Very close to Norfolk, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you could be just... Uh, take two minutes' walk, you'd be over the border into, into Norfolk, wouldn't you? Too close. It's too close. Have I discovered an East Anglian feud going on? There's a, let's hope there's no-one in from Norfolk. It could get nasty. But remember, if you do have a fight with them, outside, please. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> not inside that's the way it goes anyway look uh, there was probably loads more I had to talk about uh, Engelbert Humperdinck did well didn't he, he did alright second last given that his song was a pile of shit I don't want to I don't know why anyone didn't say this before it's the most forgettable cliche ridden load of claptrap it's like a song from the 1950s before he even started singing he's like go back and sing this old time ballad that'll get them going uh, he was meant to be the oldest person who'd ever been in uh, Eurovision that's what they thought when they booked him and then one of those old grannies who baked cakes was about two months older than him looks better than them though doesn't he so there you go at least he's one if you had to have sex with Engelbert Humperdinck or one of those old babushka grannies from Russia, which would you take? The the babushka granny, yeah, but that's my audience. (laughs) Andy, who would you choose? The grannies, grannies, fucking hell as well. There's more of them. (laughs) That's a good value. (laughs) How many holes do you need? How many... How many dried up, moistureless holes do you need before your lust is satiated? Yeah, I went there, sister. So, um, 
Anyway, will you please welcome our next guest? Uh, he is best known as uh, a contributor to the 1980s magazine Oink. Uh, and uh, that's what I know him best for. He is not as good as Stuart Lee, even on his own. <laughs> Mrs. Brown and Keith Lemon have both got more BAFTAs than him. They've got infinity more BAFTAs than this next, than the two of us put together. Will you please welcome the incredible Charlie Brooker, ladies and gentlemen. He's coming through the heart. There he is. Charlie Brooker. Hello. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You all right? Oh, yeah, I'm just amazed with the ease with which I opened this bottle of water. <laughs> um, saw you earlier trying yeah. to open a bottle. It was pathetic. It was all part of it. It's my routine that I'm working up. <laughs> OK. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm right. I'm all right. I've been talking to you backstage for quite a long time, so yeah. I thought you'd have established Shall I go? That. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, backstage was fucking gold. If, we, was... can get, if we can get halfway... Now the stuff we be... were talking if, about. If you were going to fuck the babushka, <laughs> which order would you do them in? Like, would you save the best-looking one for last so that you could build up? Yeah. Or would you use her as a way in to I get you, you into it? I think with the Russian babushka, you've got to do them in order of size, so you can put, you can put the little one inside the next, the big one. Yes. And the next one. <laughs> next one. If you could put them all inside each other, you could fuck them all at the same <laughs> yeah, time. That's, it. that's the final go. How many? Six cunts. Six, <laughs> um, all at once. And a babushka. A babushka cunt. Yes. Should we start again? Like, <laughs> it's like the Russian human centipede. That's what we're. That's what we're, that's what we're going for. Nice. With more lubricant. Uh, so, um, are you celebrating the uh, Golden Diamond Jubilee, Silver Jubilee? No, I didn't realise it was next, next yeah, week. Yeah, it is. Is it next weekend? Yeah. Is yeah. It, when is it? That's, I think next I don't There must be a specific time and date where she hits 60 bang on. What, do we have to hit it to the <laughs> yeah, minute? Yeah. Is it her real... No, hang on, it's, it's, it's since she got on the throne. Is it not one of her she fucking two on. birthdays a year? Two birthdays <laughs> and a jubilee. No, it's not one of those. It's, it's presumably... I think it is. If the coronator... Let's ask the Wikipedia hive mind. See if old Mr Bungay is as clever with a question like that. Is it the 60th anniversary of her father dying? I don't think it is, because that happened recently, didn't it? That was February, so yeah, there you go. February the 6th, thank you. They're amazing, aren't they? Your That's... fans, your fans are slightly diluting the Wikipedia hype. Usually, it's all as fucking one. It's the Borg. It's just yes, every the sick, 1952. <laughs> she was on the treetops in Kenya. Is this the, is this uh, the people who do Wikipedia? <laughs> they, is that what this is? they just are Wikipedia. They have right. to have a night off. If you try and do a Wikipedia while this has been recorded, how fast? Nothing. Do, how fast does a leopard run? <laughs> oh, very, yeah, hopeless. <laughs> Completely unreliable. No, they're not. They've been How many? 56 miles per hour. We've got nothing to check. What are we going to check that against? <laughs> honestly, it is, honestly. That's like... When Wikipedia was that, you just It is, honestly, I think it is. Yeah, so I think it's since she actually sat on King Edward I's throne. Yeah, I've got a little bit of it. I've got a little bit in there, up in... Uh, Westminster Abbey, there's a big old chair in there. I haven't been in there. They, put, they used to have the stone of skin. And skin. Are, you, are you having uh, a stroke? <laughs> st- <laughs> we stole the stone of skin from uh, the Scottish and then we made. So that, that then, one... we, then we coronated all of our kings and queens on it to rub it in their faces that they were out. Sorry, I thought I should act then because I thought it was genuinely like one of those commercials where they say <laughs> the symptoms of a stroke are this. 
rush in and help someone? Because I thought you were just having a fit at me then. What the fuck was that? Was that Scottish? That's my... That was my perfect Scott impression of a Scottish... Of a Scottish person. That's all they say. I go to Edinburgh every year, that's all that happens when I'm up. People in the audience are shouting that out. How do you know that's not a threat? <laughs> kind of is. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, 60 years is the answer to your question since she was coronated. Oh. The little Prince Charles was looking up at her, wide eyed. Must have been nice. Yeah. Was he, how old was he? I then? think about six or seven. No, four years old, says That uh, must be weird. If that was one of your earliest memories, was of your mum being coronated, I <laughs> must fuck with your head. Not as bad as the grandchildren of the babushka ladies. When you, well, their first memory is going to be something pretty unpleasant after you finish. Well, especially if one in the middle of this babushka doll was pregnant, and you, as you were born, you had to come through six other vaginas um, on the way. That would be like that would be like a real. You'd be really strong as a baby by the time you'd clawed through six fannies. Um, well, presumably like not beef. just they. Presumably they would also have to go through the assholes of the uh, to get to the fanny. They just if we're going to be. That's pe- not how biology I works. Think, I don't know why Nicholas Parsons thought I was pedantic, <laughs> but you'd have to go into the anus, swim through. No, that sounds like a terrible thing. That sounds like a terrible thing you say in bed. Of course, you have to go through the anus to get to the vagina. That's what you say, isn't it, Richard Herring? <laughs> You have to go right up through the intestines, <laughs> up to the esophagus, and then back down again. Oh, Jesus. Until, until you find the womb. Should we start again? No, I don't think so. Really. I mean, genuinely, <laughs> shall we? Yeah, yeah, OK. We're allowed to say anything we like on here. It's not okay. like your 10 o'clock show, 11 o'clock show, whatever it's called. 10 o'clock. Yeah, 10 o'clock. Yeah, well, Where we're they allowed to handcuff no, you. Well, no, we're allowed to say what we want. Yeah, but but you choose was, not to. No, you, well, no, you're given a, a lawyer comes out at yeah. the start of each series and, and reminds you that if you say the wrong thing, you could go to jail. <laughs> Genuinely. You know, say what you like, have a crazy time out there, have fun. You could end up in jail. <laughs> so you've constantly got that in your head. Or thinking that you might scream something racist. Yeah. Or make a joke about Ian Huntley or something like that on air. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hilarious. You, know, you, you could say the most terrible career-ending things live. Mm. So that is quite frightening. Well, you can say them here, we'll record them, and then we'll put them out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, there's no lawyers here to check. You'll be all right. I could just, just say them as statements. <laughs> yes, slow, considered statements. And anyway, look, let's, uh, let's move. <laughs> it seems we're talking about children coming out of uh, old women's dried-up vaginas. Yes. Let's not talk about your child right away. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we... <What>? Caesarean, actually. <laughs> Was it us uh... that, uh... Did you insist on that? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Sorry, Connie. <laughs> No, I t- that, that, that was weird. Because yeah. they do it like a magic... I won't go on about child, but it's so fucking boring. When you don't have kids and anyone else... Men- Whenever people used to mention babies to me before I had one, I was just mm. like, oh, fuck you and your kids. <laughs> like, in that order. Um, <laughs> fuck you while your kids watch so they know what's coming for you. <laughs> um, that's the way, if you're going to do it, surely that's the way to do it. Um, so, so I won't go on. No, but it's, it's weird. A caesarean birth is like a weird magic trick because they put up a white sheet. <laughs> they do. They put up a sheet and they, or a blue sheet, doesn't matter. Or the colour of the sheet is fucking irrelevant. I don't know why I'm going. I recommend red. 
<laughs> what, for to catch all the gore? Yeah, well, just sloshing it so it won't get stained, will it? It'll be a last longer. They don't use red sheets <laughs> in hospitals should. very much. No, I suppose right. you can't spot the blood. Um, it would, no. Most episodes of House involve someone shitting or bleeding on a sheet. If their sheets were red, House would never know anything was wrong with anyone. <laughs> just people would just be dying yeah. all around him. Yeah. No, but they, 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 they do genuinely bring up a sheet and then they pull it down to show you a baby. Like... <laughs> Because it could be a terrible con. They could be stealing... Maybe it's not my baby. They could steal it in that moment. There's a yes. sheet up. I don't know. They could, they could go and get a baby they don't want from out the back that someone dumped in a bin or something. Bring it and go, there's yours. <laughs> For a terrible experiment. Maybe that's what's going... Because he seems quite well-adjusted yeah. so far, so maybe that's what's going on. Give him ten years. Give him ten years. <laughs> OK, fucking hell, I'll give him more than that. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be a responsible parent. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, you met your wife in a quite quite an unusual way. The first time I believe is that she was a guest on your show, uh, Screen One. Nearly. Well, that was, the, was, it was, it was probably the... one of the first times we actually spent any time, right. really. Or she wasn't just trying to run away from me. Um, yeah, we did a Screen Wipe. Um, a sort of special episode where we did a mock mission documentary, which was kind of like those things where they used to do a thing where it would be like, Trini and Susanna try to get Britain naked to, so we can come to terms with our bodies by getting everyone to strip off and lie on a hill. <laughs> and we did a, a spoof one of those, which was about a subject I know is dear to your heart. Yes. Which is, to, to use the medical term, pyuresis. Yeah. Pyuresis, which yes, is the... women nodding there. So that is definitely uh, right. Or shycock. Yes. Um, which is the fear of urinating next to another... Which 31% of men have according to my 30, survey 31% yeah, of men one in three unable to to wee in the yeah and so we, we we did a sort of mock thing where we gathered together we got some guys who couldn't wee and we did did lots of, and it culminated in a lot of men standing on a hill urinating in front of Connie yeah um, and, she, and that's when a, you fell in love with each other <laughs> I thought well if she'll put up with that I mean she did they did genuinely they weren't, we weren't mucking around they really were I know we I did, saw it we filled them with water and beer them and and drove them up the top of a hill on a really rainy day and uh, got them all to, to, to piss the question is did you do this with more women than just Connie Huck was this like <laughs> this is the the final it was test like and audition. most of them walked away. What's, he wants me to watch 30 men urinate in front of him. But only Connie Huck stays. Could, was, was prepared to, to, to put up with No, it was a really... That was a very odd day. Um, definitely a very, very strange event. That was, it actually was a really depressing day because it was really rainy and cold and, and it's just you're watching a load of men piss on a hill. There's no way... I won't make it sound glamorous. It wasn't. Um, no, it was really depressing. But, but uh, you know, I guess I got something out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So, well, it's living the dream as well. Marrying, I think, like, well, if you grew up in the late 70s, early 80s, mm -hmm. marrying a Blue Peter presenter would be pretty... It's either Doctor Who companion. I believe for me, it was uh, Janet Ellis. If I could have married Janet Ellis, Janet I'd have been Ellis. very, very, very happy. If you'd married Janet Ellis... Yeah then Sophie Ellis-Bexter would have been hanging around a lot as well, wouldn't she? She would. Wouldn't well, you have thought... She might have been my daughter, though, so then uh, I don't know what you're suggesting. <laughs> but she would... Well, but come on, I mean, I mean come still, on. Still, Sophie Ellis-Bexter was your daughter. Well, I quite fancy... <laughs> <laughs> come on. You would. You probably would. You probably would. You monster! That was a, that was a trap <laughs> that you walked into. <laughs> 
You're a horrible man. I am horrible. Of course you wouldn't. Well, I've been born at the wrong time. For Janet Ellis, I was like, obviously, I was about 10 years old mm-hmm. when she was of a marriable age. Sophie Alice Spectre, I was sort of 40 years old when she was. So I've missed out. And then I'm, I'm hoping Sophie Alice Spectre will have a, a girl child soon. She so does so have that it. when I'm 80 years old, then that can be my next. I think she does have a kid. I think they're boys, though, which is fine. I mean, if it comes, if it comes, if it comes down, if there's no choice. No, you know what, though? By what? the time you're 80, there'll be technology that means you can put sort of Google glasses on or something, and Sophie Ellis Bexter's son can be a woman. <laughs> and so you can, and you can have, and there'll be like fantasy orifices <laughs> be... that don't exist that are not like. Will this technology just be specifically invented? For me to have sex with Sophie Ellis son. Well, that's something you're waiting for. technology to come up with. Let's invent something that will make Sophie Ellis son temporarily female. That'll sell a lot. Yeah, I'm sure that will. A lot of people will go. It's very much aimed at me. The market yeah, is me. You mock that, but you've got to have something to wait for. I'm definitely buying it. Exactly. <laughs> um, the target audience pres- presumably is is right for that sort of. thing. No, you'll be able to do what. Actually, you'll be able. To, I mean, God knows what you'll be doing when you're 80. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you'll be able to have sex with any sort of thing that's in your head using a computer. <laughs> I'm able to do that already. It's called imagination. Right. <laughs> the beautiful theme of imagination, which allows me to imagine all three generations of the Ellis Bex just being women the same age and lezzing up with each other. It's a beautiful thing, and no one gets hurt. It's in my imagination. As long as I don't say it out loud, no, and record it. <laughs> And post and it to record it. it. Post <laughs> it to Sophie Ellis Bexter and her mum. <laughs> I'm friends with Janet Ellis now. It's very confusing for me. I didn't. Is go she that turned off. on by this kind of talk? <laughs> yeah, she loves it. <laughs> right, okay, good. <laughs> so you know, you know Janet Ellis. I know so... Janet. Um, yeah, I met Janet Ellis. We've become friends. Mm-hmm. But no, not anything more than that. She's very happily married. But I still would. Sorry, we're allowed a little list, right? My my wife li- likes the bloke from uh, Lost. Sawyer from Lost. He's no Richard Herring, is he? Uh, some other idiots. I like, I like quite a lot of gingers on my list. I've got Lily Cole, uh, Amy Pond from Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and now I'm going to put uh, three generations of Janet Ellis's listening to... Uh, Aren't they all about... To... These, these women are about nine. <laughs> what? What are you confessing to? <laughs> is this therapy or something? What? Lily Cole looks about nine, doesn't she? I mean, she's. But she when got... she was nine, she did. I don't know what you. Uh, she's does, now does a, she a, woman, about... a grown up woman of at least 23 years' age. And <laughs> if it is wrong for a 44 year old man to imagine violating a 23 year old supermodel. I mean, maybe I think she's younger than she. You, well, your wife looks very young. What's your problem? Yeah. Well, I don't want to just... Yeah, but come on, Lily Cole, that's just sick. <laughs> I was at a party once with her and Rachel from S Club 7. I just couldn't choose which one to chat up, so they, they both... They both lost they out. They both lost out that night. <laughs> I was going to sort of ask if they'd both fancied coming back with me together. Just she, you got I wish I'd taken the punt, you know, now. You never know, do you? What? You do wonder about that, though. You do. Well, no, if you don't... Well, I remember seeing a guy walking down Kilburn High Street just um, shouting at women, like, <laughs> I like your tits, at women. I like your... T- yeah, suck my cock, like that. And I thought, God, you know, he's mad. But presumably, one time out of a thousand, that works. <laughs> one time out of a thousand, somebody goes, yeah... That's all you need. OK. <laughs> Pavlovian, OK, all right. Oh, I've got chopping to do, but... Oh. Um, <laughs> Maybe it works. I don't know. Does it? 
<laughs> you seem to know an awful lot about it. That's all <laughs> I was... <laughs> This man, you've got a voice worked out for him. (laughs) The things he says. This character. The streets. (laughs) The place it all occurs. Um, Well, that's good. I I met Connie, she was uh, in the... the, When I did an Oxford-Cambridge boat race celebrity TV programme, which is one of the only one of these I've done, I could be in Bolivia now with Phil Jupiters. Right now, instead of talking to you... I chose to talk to you instead. Really? Yeah. Driving around on dangerous roads, but I've chosen... I thought, I can't let Charlie Brooker down. He's so looking forward to coming on to my podcast. Why were you going to Bolivia? Because there's a programme called... Are you running cocaine across the border? (laughs) There's a programme called The World's Most Dangerous Roads, and I was asked to go in a car with Phil Jupiter. Can I point out that that maybe that's a worrying programme to take part in. That was my main reason. That's like the world's most badly fitted plug sockets. (laughs) Something. Like, you don't want to surely go near a show like that, because you know that the, you know, no matter what... I I don't think people really do, but I'm... I don't think health and safety has gone far enough. That's how paranoid I am. That's why they have to go to Bolivia, because you're allowed to do anything you want over there with Phil Jupiter's. I could have killed Phil... I could have taken Phil Jupiter's out. Would it have been... Would it have been worth like a suicide mission <laughs> to drive over a cliff with Phil Jupiter, like Thelma and Louise, in order to take out Phil Jupiter. Would it, I don't... Is it, what, I like Phil Jupiter, so no, I'm saying not, definitely not worth it. I also like myself. What's so dangerous about the road? I what, think if, yeah, nothing, I think, really. They shoot it. It's like a load of... It's like sort of Top Gear with mm. middle-class people who are a bit more left-wing. What, 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 what are they on Top Gear, for fuck's sake? The gentry? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, it seemed like a bad idea. Right. Yeah, no, that sounds But I'd have been scary. paid loads of money rather than sitting in here. Do you, well, you know, so, talking to well, you. Fact, we, can, we can simulate a dangerous <laughs> road if you want. We can get people to run past quickly or something. Don't worry, the stuff we'll be simulating mm. later on if uh, I have my way from the, from the early... <laughs> From okay. the early chat that maybe you missed, but you, well, you used to do it. You just will go to that. You used to do a website about kind of that was parodying the idea of terrible TV. Yes. TV go home. Yeah. Uh, and then TV became sort of more ridiculous than the stuff you were writing, and you had to stop. Is that pretty I, much what happened? I, that's exactly what I, I mean. I used to do. Yes, I used to do this website that was like a parody of the Radio Times, which is something that was always in comedy books when I was growing up as a kid. You'd, you'd like get the Spitting Image comedy book or something. There'd be a a spoof page of the Radio Times. So I did this thing that was fortnightly, and it was mainly um, mainly a kind of disciplinary exercise on my own because I wasn't really doing anything. I thought, if I do something that's quite easy once a fortnight, I'll feel like I'm achieving something in my life. So I was sort of doing this thing every fortnight, and it, it kind of took off. But then, but then I remember switching on... I, I, because of doing that, that was, it was doing that that led to me getting a job at The Guardian, reviewing TV for real. Yeah. And, and one week, the show I had to look at was called Touch the Truck, um, which was a show with Dale Winton, and it, was, it took place in the Lakeside Shopping Centre, Thurrock, and um, it was members of the public having to stand around a truck uh, with their hands on it, and they had, to, they had to stand there holding their hands on the truck, and the rule was simple. There was only one rule, which is whoever's, whoever's still awake the longest wins the truck. That was it. And, um, and it went on for days. It was, it was literally it was a sleep deprivation contest. And eventually, after a while, you apparently start dreaming while you're awake. And, and so there were people swatting demons. <laughs> like, in the, and that was. And at that point, I thought, there's no point in me writing any parodies. Were they television. keeping their hand on the truck while they were, swat, they were swatting demons, thinking, but I must keep my hand on it. There's a demon there. 
But I mustn't lose the opportunity Headbut- to have this. Maybe they were headbutting, <laughs> Dean. I don't, uh, I mean, it, was, it was really weird. It was a, you were allowed to psych each other out. I remember that. So it was constantly, it was mainly footage of people with one hand on a truck turning to somebody else going, you're about to fall asleep. You're going to take your hand off this truck, you fucking loser. It was very, very, very strange. And it, it did make me think I, can't, I couldn't possibly come up with something like that. Um, it so is weird. What are we? Because I used to write on the hour, which became the day to day, which mm-hmm. is uh, with Chris Morris in it as well, as, as some of the stuff you've worked on. But um, he, um, you know, we, that, that was when it got to TV. That was so sort of ridiculous. And then you look at news now, and you go, "That is the same as the day to day." That's the, those graphics. Have they not seen the data? You see Jeremy Vine sort of walking along a. Pushing yeah. sort of things that are down, you know, wheelbarrows down hills or something. There was a weird the thing. Wine. There was a weird thing when Raoul Moat was running around, <laughs> where they ran adverts for Raoul Moat on Sky News. They ran adverts saying, kind of effectively saying, "See more of Raoul Moat. <laughs> He's out there. <laughs> He's crazy. He could do anything. <laughs> Stay tuned." And at that point, you think, "That's this can't be good for our heads." As a as a people, this can't be good for us. No, um, no. So I, I, it's got, so basically what we're what we're saying here is nobody should ever try to parody anything because then it comes becomes true. Just encourage, just encourages, just encourages <laughs> to do the it. world. Um, yeah, it's be hard to think of things that are kind of more ridiculous. That I think, like if you're going to do that, if you're going to do TV, go home now. It kind of would be more. Well, my theory, my theory as it was, my, my not massively interesting theory, was that I was of a certain generation. And I think that, you know, that's the sort of thing that you, you find funny. Is, 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 is It was funny to write down that these were transgressive ideas that would never appear on television. Yeah. That was the inherent joke. And then I think that everybody else, that, 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 that basically it was, it was that generation that became... Um, that started holding the reins of power in television and it felt the same way. So you'd get shows that were like Banzai, which I remember there was a show called Banzai, which was s- sort of celebrities doing weird stunts. Was there was something like Peter Purvis having his scrotum weighed. <laughs> and that's like hilarious when you're a certain... But then those people just got more and more powerful in television. <laughs> then you got things like I'm a Celebrity, where I couldn't have foreseen that, that you'd be watching somebody from Busted eating a kangaroo anus <laughs> live on, on, on ITV becomes mainstream entertainment. That's fucked up. Um, Imagine yeah. if you could have predicted that. Imagine if you'd written that down... In, in a Back to the Future <laughs> yeah. style, gone back and seen the, the 14-year-old me and written down one day, a, a, a guy from a, a band called Busted, doesn't matter, just write that down, will eat a kangaroo's anus. Yeah, William Hill would have given you incredible, incredible odds on that. He's sort of sick, isn't he, I'm a celebrity? It is, yeah, it's awful. So, so, well, you know, me and Connie did this uh, Oxford Cambridge boat race, mm-hmm. which was kind of, we sort of, I thought at the time I was. Is trying... that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> I only had 20 men pissing and it wasn't, it wasn't enough for her. I she said, must look have been on the, the banks there. <laughs> she must have been the cox, presumably. She was the yeah. cox. Yeah. And she nearly, uh, she caused a terrible accident and someone got nearly badly hurt. So uh, she's my enemy. But actually, because I, I was in the Oxford, I was in the Oxford boat and she was in the Cambridge yeah. boat. And uh, they got you so... They were so brilliant, these guys. These professional rowers would get you so G'd up, you know. So you started... We, I started really hating everyone in the Cambridge, in the Cambridge boat, seriously. Mm. Especially uh, Grubsmith, who is now one of my friends. And Toby Young mm. was in my boat. Right. And he was part of my team. And I almost quite liked him. That's, that's, how, <laughs> that's how powerful... Subsequently, Jesus. I've come to realise how foolish coaches. I was. Yeah. So we were rowing against each other. Then when we got to the actual competition bit of it um 
We had we had Jonathan Aitken as our Cox, right? Which I don't think was fair. Because Connie Huck is like, what, three foot two? Something yeah. like that, like a child. Uh, and, um, and Jonathan Aitken was like, like Gandalf. He was like seven foot tall. He had magic. He had a sword of truth with him everywhere he went. It weighed him down. And so he was our Cox. And that didn't seem fair. And they wouldn't let us balance up in any way. So this... Well, hang on a minute. Does she not have told you all about this? Do you, no, this, she this, mentioned... This. She said to her, oh, I was a cox once, and I went, what? Words. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shut up. Um, so she was. Um, she no, was, I, it's I, all I, true. Was this, this... This wasn't a dream you had. It's actually... <laughs> it does sound like I a dream think, you had. I because Connie Huck, mm. I'm going to call her, yeah. because for me she's just a celebrity, not yeah. your wife. <laughs> because yeah. she steered the boat incorrectly. I hit someone in her team in the head with an oar. <laughs> And it's her fault. I could have been sent to prison. I could have gone down for that, and it was her fault. Good. <laughs> she, was, she was she was psyching you out. Much she was like killing one of her. Teams. You were saying that there's rowing coaches who mm. made you. But surely all they do is go shout row. <laughs> I've seen like gladiator movies With and whip. shit. Like, they just whip you, don't no. they? What's the, what's the, what's the, there's not much whip, complex have... psychology involved with rowing a boat. There is. Pull that oar. <laughs> Come on, do it properly. Row some more. Come on. You can row. It was that. Was that really yeah. what? Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, she was such weird, you know, I didn't, I, I like her now. Good. But, I, but you hated her. I then. hated her. I wanted I'll, her dead. I will pass that I on. I wanted her dead. And that, uh, subsequently, your unborn child, uh, by association, I was, <laughs> okay, was hoping would never exist. Take it against him. <laughs> Fucking hell. You're a bitter man. What's wrong with you? Carrying vendettas down the bloodline. <laughs> you want to fuck the Ellis Bexters, you want to kill my son. <laughs> At I, once. I don't Simultaneously, you want to fuck kill him. Ellis I just Bexter. want him never to have existed. It's a very different. It's in fact a much more horrible thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll think about that when I'm gazing into his face later. <laughs> you monster. So you were at the BAFTAs last night? Oh, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah how, did, how did that go for you? Well, yeah. Um, it, well, it didn't really. I mean, it was, it was very hot. Hmm. Um, uh, is it interesting? I've not lost that early on in a ceremony before. <laughs> Usually I'm sort of at least three quarters of the way through before yeah. they announce that I've lost. But they don't announce it like that. <laughs> I'm aware it's, it's not all about me. <laughs> <laughs> just tell, stop everything to say. <laughs> like, 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 the, like the nation is in mourning and announce that I have lost. But um, I've not. It was like, like award number two or three or something. Yeah. Into a, you know, a long night. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's a real uh, it, fair. Ju- stu- uh, I think Stuart Lee. I think deserved to win. No. I think that's. Oh no! I think he did. It shows all right. He needs a sort of fat, funny one to come in and say, <laughs> do some. Do some jokes. He's like just doing a straight man. He's forgotten about the funny man. He's just a so man. stop repeating it's everything. Like, it's like that's what happened if you had Sid Little on his own. He would just talk seriously about things and repeat. He wouldn't know what to say, and he'd just keep on saying the same thing over and over again. What you need is Eddie Large. I'm not saying I'm as good as Eddie Large. Don't. I'm not being arrogant here. To come in in a deputy dog wig and. <laughs> No one <laughs> No one remembers the deputy dog wig of any large. Uh, I've, I've read Sid Little's autobiography. Have you? Yes. Yeah, do you know what it's called? I'd forgotten. I did know. Tell me. It's called Little Goes a Long Way. <laughs> it's true. It's a good it title. Is. Goes a bit Christian. It goes a Christian. Mm. 
But um, no, no, and Bobby um, Ball has become a crowd. I think both Buchanan and Ball are Christians as well. I think they are they? Yeah. What's that all about? I don't know. If that happens to Stuart Lee, then we'll know. <laughs> all double acts eventually just become Christians. <laughs> Maybe you'll do the next uh, the comedy vehicle will just be a series of earnest Christian talk. <laughs> And everyone would be really trying to justify it online. There's something really clever he's doing. It's all going to be revealed to be ironic. <laughs> but it's not. It's just that then he literally, there's passages from the Bible come up <laughs> at the end for you to look up afterwards. Maybe that's, that would be a, a I wouldn't great be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> that's what happens if you don't have the funny one coming in. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's weird. No, you, go to a, you go to an award ceremony. It is weird. It's, apart from anything else, it's weird in that... Um, you, you forget, obviously, you sort of forget that you're at an award ceremony and then you walk, you suddenly go around a corner and you're walking down the carpet bit and it's like your television has been sick because <laughs> there's just famous people. There's like Alan Sugar or yeah, t- t- somebody as famous as Alan Sugar. <laughs> um, just people from soaps. Everywhere you look, it's like seeing... They're almost like seeing corporate logos. Do you know what I mean? They're that familiar, their faces. But you can't believe you're seeing them. It's like if you saw Colonel Sanders in 3D. You'd shit yourself. Um, it's really, it's a really weird, weird atmosphere. Um, and then to, to, to not win, you sort of think, oh, I don't want to bother coming. <laughs> fuck, fuck you all. So, so, you, so you spend most of the... And when you realise, of course, that three quarters of the people there haven't won. Yeah. So you just sit there, it's full of slightly bitter, sour <laughs> people all night. So it's not, it's not great. No. It's not great um, at all. I didn't and see... everyone always fucking... You know what really pisses me off? <laughs> is that... Because I'm allowed to be bitter about it. Yeah, it's like everyone would walk in and, and be, be, be give a little speech and then they'd say, but really, who I'd like to thank is you, the people up there. Because on the top row there, you've got members of the public who've come in and paid. Yeah. Right? And they'd sort of make a point of going, to you, the, the fucking faceless plebs up there, <laughs> who I can't even see from this stage, like, like any of them gave a shit about those fucking <laughs> flesh bags breathing <laughs> in and out, who I think have to pay to go to the BAFTAs, the poor cunts. Well, the uh, the woman who won for the for, for being uh, Fred West psychiatrist, whatever she was, a responsible adult, she came on and went, "Oh, I had no idea I was going to win. I haven't prepared anything." I sort of thought, "If you've got down to the last four, just prepare something. <laughs> you fucking obviously have prepared something. Stop lying." She didn't thank Rose West. Though, did she? <laughs> no one. No one thanked the West. No. And that, for me, was the. Was a disgraceful oversight that evening. Uh, and Dominic West said, "Let's hope, uh, let's hope there aren't many more Fred Wests." And you, you'd think, "Well, no. You should hope there's at least a few <laughs> to keep ITV in this kind of hard-hitting <laughs> drama about difficult. Then go on about it being difficult subject matter. Everyone loves fucking murder. <laughs> we can't get enough of Fred West. Everyone loves Fred West. <laughs> if Fred, Fred West could have had a fucking game show <laughs> on Saturday Night BBC One if he hadn't hanged himself. Everyone loved him." He did say, I hope there aren't too many more Fred West, which yeah, suggests that there is a certain amount that he would be acceptable. <laughs> There's a cut-off point. West There's a say. Westing point. <laughs> Need to have a few, just to, no, just to siphon off a few of the whores. Uh, but, uh, no, they weren't. No, these were... In, they, 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 he, he, he was horrible. Yeah. You know, that here's a creepy fact yes. about Fred... Well, apart from all the other creepy yeah. facts about Fred West. I read that book 
uh, Happy Like Murderers, which mm. is quite a, a jolly book about, about Fred West. Um, he used to, he used to every day, he used to make uh, breakfast for his kids. <laughs> yeah. And he'd arrange, I don't know why I find this creepy, he'd arrange the food, like the fried eggs and the sausage and the bacon, into a smiley face <laughs> on the plate and hand it, there you go. <laughs> I find that weird, coming from a man who used to tie people to pieces of farming equipment and do... <laughs> Atrocious yeah. thing. Sorry, I've uh, uh, darkened the mood. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit worried because when I make porridge for my wife every morning, I put a little. Uh, if I've got raspberries, I make a little heart on there of raspberries, which I thought was quite nice. But now I'm worried. I'm. I'm, I'm gonna kill her and any cho- any female children she has. Oh, we had a joke. We had a joke about um, we had a joke about Fred West that we were going to say in one of the in in a, in twenty eleven wife right. that we couldn't say which was uh, what was it it was Dominic West playing Fred West and we said that's quite fitting because Fred West was a big fan of the wire and the flex and the cables and the flyers. <laughs> so I'm glad I've had an opportunity. <laughs> And that's why you have lawyers uh, on those shows, stopping you doing that. Don't tell anyone we said any of this stuff. That's the, that's the best. I'm asking all of my um, guests this question, Charlie. Have you ever attempted... And I think the answer for you is yes. I'm just going to say that straight away. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? <laughs> what, what, what is this show? Um, this, this is, is like there's going to be a drum roll and, and I have to and someone knocks out one of the vertebrae in my spine because it's just that one um, uh, pro- prob- I can't probably yeah. the reason I can't remember is because if it, it was successful yeah. then I would I would I would have an answer for you straight away sure. um, I don't know no, no. yes yeah, have I <laughs> I can't, come on, if you haven't, yeah. you've never dared to dream. <laughs> um, I must have done. At some sure point in have. my life. I must have done. I thought Not, you would have. Have you? Because you must have oh, done. Yes, I have. And have I've, you? Uh, uh, yeah, and I'd, and I'd managed to... Uh, what, how much a in? Little, a little. A little? A little bit, and then I realised I had a cock in my mouth and it was my own one. <laughs> I thought, where's the, where's the fun in that? Uh, Hang so on. It's quite... So what... Do you want me to demonstrate that? No. <laughs> well, well, yes. No, I do. <laughs> I don't um, think I could do it now. I was about 14 at the time. And how... So, so when you say a little, how far well, in... Well, you know, a little of the massive cock I obviously yeah. have. <laughs> the giant... A, a tiny, fucking... tiny proportion. Still about four or five inches worth in, was, it, was in there. So... I wasn't strumming like a guitar, no. It's a back reference to I something I think the no worst thing about being able to suck your own cock would yeah. be if somebody burst in and caught you, <laughs> you'd have to pull it out of your mouth before you could say, Sorry! Really it's awkward. not what it looks like. That's oh. what you'd say. Um, when I was, uh, when I was uh, a little boy, I used, yes. to, I used to like... It was an embarrassing thing that happened to me. Um, I used to have a ZX Spectrum computer and I used to like yes. playing uh, Daily Thompson's Decathlon on the Spectrum computer, which was a game where you had to push two buttons really quickly, uh, like yep. that, to make Daily Thompson run. And uh, I always had a Kempston joystick, which you'd plug into, the, and then you'd, you'd wiggle the joystick <laughs> furiously from side to side to make Daily Thompson run. And I worked out that it was hard to do, to wiggle the joystick like this, unless you clamped the joystick between your thighs <laughs> and sat there wiggling it like this. Yeah. And then one day I'm sitting playing this game, uh, hunched over in front of my uh, television, wiggling like this. <laughs> Frantically wiggling away at my crotch, and my mother came in and said, "Do you want?" And they went, "Oh my god!" I must have thought I was masturbating to a tiny 
sprite of Daley Thompson in shorts. Um, so just I don't I don't know. I prefer nothing, and then I probably tried to suck my own cock. Um, no, I don't. I, I, no. I don't. I don't I can't say I've made a habit of it. I guess you could okay. probably. You could, can you learn to do it? It must <laughs> be a yogic thing. It's probably a yoga position. Isn't I don't it? know. I know of. Uh... Do, would you finish on your own face? <laughs> well, that's, if you could suck your own cock, would the... you go? I'll show you. <laughs> Fucking yeah. You sluts. Yeah. Have a load of that. Fucking... In the questionnaire that I have online, this is where this question comes from. I, I, about 17% of men, uh, but most, most men have tried, majority mm-hmm. have tried, about 17% could do it. It was about 50-50 on the spit or swallow issue. And I, which, as I say, you know, say, you're saying something you're not prepared to swallow your own semen, especially given you've just sucked your own cock. And it's like... I think, you should know, because I think that I'm surprised anyone gets to finish. Because yeah. I would have thought, if you're sucking your own cock, you're too weirded out to be able <laughs> to... Was... How'd you overcome that psychological I, d- I didn't overcome that, I have to say. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. You don't get that on Parkinson, do you? You don't get that... No. Parkinson never thought of asking that question. It just loosens everyone up, I think, to... Then I can get back to the question. <laughs> you should bring it in on Newsnight. <laughs> yeah. Never mind that, Minister. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? If not, why not? Because we don't need people in power who haven't dared to dream. Good, if you go to the Prime, um, Minister, the Prime Minister debate, if that, had co- that question had come up, we might have learned... Cameron has definitely tried to suck yeah. his own cock, hasn't he? No, he's always had someone to do it for him his whole life. <laughs> Some working class person. Bring in the working class person. I read that, that... Um, is, was, was this a, was you read this that? No, I read Let's that... Let's just leave it there. Let's I just... Read that, Apparently that happened. I read that nannies of upper-class people yeah. used to... This is rude. Uh, they used to, <laughs> yeah. to stop baby boys... <laughs> this boys. is rude. I'm <laughs> horror. <laughs> yeah, we better warn them in case uh, any kids are listening. Thank God that read, warning came I in. hope I read this <laughs> yeah. somewhere. I'm I sure I read somewhere that, 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 that nannies of upper-class... When, when they wanted to stop a baby boy crying, they used to just put its cock in their mouth. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've seen that somewhere. <laughs> It's a conversation killer, isn't it? Just realised. No, but I, I read, and Cameron has the look of a man who had that done to him <laughs> from a very early age. Just, what do you think? How do you think the like, the, the science of that works? Just the baby going, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> so, I don't recommend anyone tries that. I'm sure it's illegal. Um, I, but might, I bet it works. Uh, I think I might uh, hire me a nanny. <laughs> Do you think there's nannies who put cards up in phone boxes and things? <laughs> Excellent think... Victorian era nannying <laughs> skills. I didn't see it on the Wendy Craig uh, vehicle, the nanny. Back in what sort of reference is that? What's I a... like to go obscure. We're going to talk about bleep and booster like next. I like to go obscure for the people who are too young that annoy me. They go, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Do you remember even a... the people <laughs> of my age go, I don't remember nannies. That's obscure. Do you remember Animal Crackers? Uh, the uh, TV show with. Um, yeah, I do. People dressed it, yeah, so yeah. that's a There was a song, one. I'm trying to remember the songs from I can Animal Crackers. Yeah, didn't crack. they each have their own individual songs? Oh, yeah, Rory yeah. was one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we've yeah. really lost everyone now. <laughs> Might as well be talking about the insides of our own intestines <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you know the thing that sprung to mind for me the other day like that that I think is a really weird thing that I'd completely forgotten about? The advert for Insignia. 
remember that? The one where well, in Sydney's got everything: the, yeah, shampoo, 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 shampoo gel. gel. Yeah, but I one remember every word. For one all over smell. Yeah, yeah. Smell. I bit the inside of my own mouth. <laughs> that really fucking hurt. Um, yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, but I just the whole song came into my head completely formed the other day, and I hadn't thought about it for probably thirty years. Can you still buy insignia? No, it doesn't exist. It was a system. It was a, you, no, got, you got you got deodorant. It's very good. It's all hmm. in the song. Insignia's got everything: shampoo to shower gel. It makes it sound like there's yeah. more things. Because I'm saying shampoo to shower gel implies there's about 15 things in between there. It's shampoo to shower gel, aftershave, deodorant, the one all over body smell, basically. Talc. So there's, there's four things. So when it says, I don't, there might be some talc, I suppose. Yes, because the problem was was here and there with different smells. Yeah, that, yeah. that was that was the guy. He had too many different. He things. smelled too many different things, and girls didn't like him. But then when he smelled uniform, every part of his body felt the same. Girls like that. The reason I'm not doing as well as Peter Kay is... Um... But these days, they just advertise links. It's just like women th- hurling vaginas at men <laughs> who go near a bottle of... Lit. It's really like depressing. Like ripping off their own really depre- You just think, oh, fucking try harder as a species. <laughs> For fuck's sake. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's just uh, it's like Nuts magazine being hurled at you and then <laughs> that pops the links like, I fucking hate everyone. When those things happen. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Lynx is a very, like, 14-year-old boy smell, though, I think. I don't, I don't think you'd want to... You shouldn't want to be attracted to any woman who wants to... I, I, I once had a shower in Lynx from my, my nephew, you know, and into mm. the shower and my nephew had left his Lynx behind. And then I smelled of Lynx and I thought, I just smell like a tiny child. I don't know, who am I trying to attract here? This so, I don't right. know what Lynx smells like. I've well, just there are lots of different smells, but it's a very musky, unpleasant odour that I can't imagine any adult woman being interested in. I can imagine some unpleasant adult men being interested in... Ooh. <laughs> no, I, that's just made me... All wonder- I'm saying is that I believe Lynx has been created by a caval of paedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> that is... And if, if the lawyers are listening, if it's not true, why don't you sue me? I'm going to sit back and wait. And if it, I haven't been sued by the time of the next podcast, I will be confirming... That Lynx has been manufactured by predatory homosexual people. Well, they've got to do something. They're unemployable in any other walk of life. <laughs> so I like to think they're in prison, mixing up huge vats of Lynx, <laughs> which probably comes from secretions from their own glands. <laughs> You'd think your, your audience would be less shockable than this. I'm surprised how shocked That's not shocking. I mean, that's, well, that's probably what it that's smells like. That's not that like. shocking, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're mm. going, oh. You've let me down, Charlie Brooker fans. I thought you'd be up for anything. And I've got a whole raft of things planned for the next two hours. <laughs> this fucking... Now, I was wondering... This is, quite, this is an interesting, actual Parkinson-type mm-hmm. question. You, your first job was to write for Oink magazine, yes. but you must have been about 15 years old. That's correct, I right. was 15 I years out, old. Because I used mm. to read that when I was at university, mm. before I got into Viz. Mm. I, I preferred... Oink, I thought Oink was better than Viz. Well, good. I was wrong, though. You were wrong. <laughs> um, so I no, realized. I always wanted to do stuff for Viz. Yeah. Because I remember re- I read Viz when I was at school, I think, and, I, and then when Oink came along, it was some of the Viz people were yeah. involved, in, involved in it. And I sent some comic strips off to the letters page, and they wrote back and said, will you come up with a comic strip for us? Wow. So, yeah, which was like... As a 15-year-old. As a 15-year-old. So, so that's what I sort of started doing. You were a prodigy doing. of... Sort of scatological not, humor. <laughs> well, no, it was a bit weird because it was, it was, it was. Like, and I remember they they wrote back and said, um, and they made me sort of do all sorts of audition things. I had to draw things in pencil and stuff first, and then they um, they accepted something I'd written. 
and I had to draw it up, and they sent me the dimensions because you have to obviously draw things to a different size to what they appear in print. And for some reason, I, I panicked so much, I misread them and thought they were saying in millimetres. And I thought you had to draw everything, like, about the size of a matchbox and then it got blown up. And I spent a whole afternoon trying to... And I ended up in tears and literally saying to my mother, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't be a cartoonist, I can't draw that small. And then realised I'd read it and it was actually ten times bigger was what I was supposed to do. But... Um, no, I used to. Yeah, I used to. It was when I was uh, in the sixth form, and when I was, I guess, when around the time I was doing my uh, exams, and then went into the sixth form, I was doing comic strips. That's what I wanted to be was a cartoonist. Right, hmm. it's very exciting. I'm, see, I'm very impressed by that. I'm not sure that many other people remember Oink, but it was an amazing thing. And then you did in P, you, you wrote for PC Zone. Yeah, I just spent a lot of time doing video games reviews in the That's just the, the dream, though, isn't it? And when I was a kid, I just thought, what I'd like to be paid for is playing video games and watching TV and having sex with someone off Blue Peter. <laughs> I didn't manage to combine them all at the same <laughs> time. Uh, no, I mean, well, in retrospect, that looks like a great job. <laughs> yes. Reviewing computer games. At the time, it was less... It, was, it, was, it wasn't a bad job by any stretch of the imagination because at the same time I was doing that, I was working in a shop where we sold video games as well. It was quite good because we were encouraged to be rude to members of the public. <laughs> like if somebody came in and said, show me that, I was allowed to go, no, because <laughs> I don't like your attitude, it was, which was a weird, uh, weird area. But no, when I was reviewing computer games, it was like you'd... I think then as well, video games were less accepted than they are now. So if I'd go to a party or something and somebody would say, what do you do? And I'd say, I, well, I review video games for a living. They'd look at me like I'd said, I ride around on a little tricycle <laughs> and then I pat my own balls left and right with hands full of talcum powder um, because I am a child. Um, so, so weirdly at the time, I remember having a bit of an epiphany where... One, I, I was quite pleased with myself for having written a review of something I thought I thought I've written this is wonderful this is a wonderful review I've written <laughs> and then I realised I, I looked at our readership figures and realised that we got fewer readers than what caravan <laughs> I realised that I might as well have written a really great review of a caravan it would never mean anything to anyone outside of the bubble that I was in um, and, and, and got profoundly depressed by that for a while but um, no that's, that's how I feel a... about my adult work <laughs> I have to say so well, it's the same of any. Well, really, it's the same of any field of endeavour, isn't it? There's a bubble that you're within. You could be Steven Spielberg is massive, but really, if you look at the whole of time and space, he's <laughs> fucking nothing. Um, so, really, the, you know, the, 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 there's the propensity there to be depressed by any achievement, um, <laughs> which is a lesson I hope we all take away from this evening. No, but it was pretty good. Reviewing video games wasn't a bad way to no. spend your 20s. I'd just sit there. I used to get... I, that was when I used to think that you had to get stoned to write. <laughs> and now I can't go anyth- anywhere near... Um, I, used to just, I used to just get stoned and write and play video games and write. That was actually that's pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> that's what I used to do. And sit on a sofa the rest of the time. It was like a cliche of the 90s. <laughs> mm. well, did do. you have many girlfriends at this time? No. <laughs> Actually, I didn't know I had a sort of steady girlfriend through most of it, yeah. Um, Although then, yeah, no, we broke up, and then I thought this was like the worst thing. Yeah, it was all quite... Yeah, sad, isn't it? I threw myself into my work. (laughs) Luckily, was playing computer games. (laughs) Pretty much the same as any breakup, I suppose. 
Um, actually, during one of these breakups, I did do the most pathetic thing <laughs> I've ever done in my life. I felt so sorry for myself um, that I decided I was just going to stay in bed for about a week. And I was watching... I had a TV in the room, and I was watching TV, and I realised that I, had to, I was developing a crick in my neck through having to sit up. So I thought... I can just turn the telly on its side. <laughs> and that was a real watershed moment. Turning the TV on its side was embracing my own patheticness. And I turned the television on its side and lay in bed watching... I came up with an invention yes. then, which was... It was an idea for a bachelor bed for bachelors. And the idea was it was a bed that you could have sex with. It had a hole in it. And you'd have sex with it and it would... It would, it would gather all the fluid that you had ejected together, together with your tears, and then it would just sort of all pull down the bottom and it would collect it in little moulds and make candles, like little tea lights, which you had then ready for in the unlikely event of if, some, if you actually invited anyone back to your flat. You had romantic tea lights. And they say, what? You, put around you know, I fancy, but what I really need is a candle made out of sperm and tears. <laughs> Well, no, because I figured that maybe the scent of burning sperm would release some pheromone or something. That what woman isn't what woman isn't sent into a passionate fury by the, the scent of burning sperm? Um, that was my that, so. Uh, I was always inventing things that never left my head. Um, <laughs> Did you ever make a prototype? That's... <laughs> no. Did you make them tiny? No. Yeah, the dimensions of that wrong and make a tiny little I, was, I, I was, seemed to spend a lot of time in the 90s and early, early 2000s sort of breaking up with people and feeling really upset, like I was the only person who'd ever been upset in the world. <laughs> and it's a weird thing when you're that upset. What I remember about it is there'd be times when you were crying. You'd just be sitting there feeling really sorry. <laughs> and then you'd forget and start reading a magazine. <laughs> Forget you're upset. You stop reading a magazine. You're like looking through. Oh, that's nice. oh, 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 I didn't know. Oh, well, okay. Oh, an interview with that. Oh, that's good. And then you get. Then something would remind you. <laughs> Pathetic, really, isn't it? Emotions. <laughs> We are, I think as men, especially, we are pathetic. Oh, my mum wanted to say that she saw you on Have I Got News For You this week and she thought you were quite good. Oh, good, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs Henry. She, she said there's she a thought you weird, did well. There was a weird, um, weird episode, particularly weird episode, because it was William Shatner yes. hosting. Hey! Um, and he is... Uh, like, he's mad, isn't he? He's like, <laughs> he's, 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 he seems very... Uh, he seems nice. He's just a nice guy. Um, d- knows exactly how absurd he is and doesn't give a shit. He's 81. Did yeah. you know that? 81 years old. He was in The Twilight Zone. Yeah, they sh- I think they showed a clip of The Twilight Zone, right? No, it's all very exciting. He's it's always really weird. good Twilight Zone. I mean, me and my wife have been watching The Twilight Zone mm. from the beginning, and I thought, when I start watching, I thought, this would make a really good show to do. Now we could update this, do a sort of Tales of the Unexpected Twilight Zone kind of thing together. Uh, and then you did that, so I was annoyed. But yeah, the one that, the one that, uh, the one that uh, Shatner's in is when they go to uh, a diner and there's a stupid little devil thing. Ah, and... he's in two. Oh, is he? No, yes, he's in, there's one where he's in a diner. But you can buy, you can, they sell, like, the, you can buy, like, different versions of that little devil, devil. fortune. It's a fortune thing you put in a Ascent, and then a, it's quite boring if you don't like the Twilight Zone. It's, so it's a, in terms of references, we are now talking about something that went out in 1959. <laughs> anyone, does anyone remember the Renaissance? <laughs> the first season. Remember that? 
Remember Copernicus? <laughs> or that, it'll, um, it'll come, it'll come on. Uh, but then you get a little thing out, and you can buy those now online, so they're, they're, it is a popular episode. But what's the other one? He was in an episode that features the best bit of acting I've ever seen. I say acting. I mean, <laughs> um, he's in a famous episode where... Well, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but he's a passenger who's recovering from a nervous breakdown on a plane, and he thinks he's seen something on the wing. Uh, oh, it's the one the Simpsons parody, is it? With the parody, yeah, and, and when they did a Twilight Zone movie that they made, they, they remade it in right. there. Um, no, it's a, it, that's, that's a quite a good episode, apart from the special effects are terrible. But if you ever get a chance to see it, this is my tip to anyone who's going to watch and uh, you should watch the Twilight Zone, it's great. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's, a, there's a great bit in it where he has to try and steal the gun from a sleeping policeman who's on the... Not a sleeping policeman that you get in the road. <laughs> That'd be like a dream. <laughs> um, a task in a dream. No, but from a guy who's fallen asleep on the plane. And he has to just do a bit of acting where he, he surreptitiously does it without waking the guy up. And it's just the, the, the best bit of terrible acting <laughs> you've ever seen. His surreptitious look. I insist you look it up at some point. I will. Well, if you don't want to watch The Twilight Zone... It's either a devil, an angel, they're already dead, or it was Earth. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty yeah. much. That's pretty much summed it up. Yeah, but you know, they, 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 it was. It was. Oh, I love that. Show. I love all those creepy old. Have you seen there's um there's a there's an old Alfred Hitchcock presents episode oh, yeah. where um it's all from the point of view of a man who's just been paralysed in a car crash. Right. Like the whole thing is just a man lying like that. And it's just his thoughts as he's going, please, someone come and help me. No, no. And there's all these people come over and they just rob his corpse, what they yeah. think is he's got. It's really depressing. Then he's being wheeled in. They're going to bury him alive. You hear him screaming and he said, no, no, no. I, I could ruin the punchline is that he cries. Right. Basically, at the end, as they say, we're going to fucking bury you in the ground, you dead cunt. <laughs> and he cries. And they say, because he's a businessman. The, yeah. the point is, he's a businessman who's never shown any emotion. And he cries. For his, <laughs> and, and they say, oh my God, he's, he's, he's alive. And so they, oh, wow. they save him. But I've sort of spoiled yeah. that story now. I think, I think there comes a point where spoilers are allowed. I think there should be a 50-year moratorium, <laughs> baby. And then after that, if you haven't seen it, oh, you've wrecked it on Twitter. I wrote the thing about the Avengers movie the other day, and I said in the end of the thing, oh, by the way, you know, the Avengers win, and somebody went, oh, for, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was going to win any other way. <laughs> There's a very good uh, Me 1 versus Me 2 style... Uh, style uh, Twilight Zone where a man is having a conversation himself with in a mirror which is a sn- I play myself at mm. snooker uh, and commentate on it sometimes okay uh, and then you're put right. that put that you're, as a you're, podcast you're, you're sure you're okay you know I'm not like <laughs> I find Stuart Lee quite mainstream with his mm. BAFTA winning shows like he's, he's sort of in the same camp as Mrs Brown and Keith Lemon for me it's that they're, they're You've got a Venn diagram there. He's the BBC Two Keith Lemon, isn't he? I I play myself at snooker and then commentate on it with no script. But there's a a Twilight Zone where a man is having an argument with himself in the mirror that I was that we saw when I was sort of at the height. I was going a little bit mad playing. I think like I'm I'm playing with the the notions of whether I'm insane or not while I'm doing it. Oh yeah, like every insane person is playing playing with the notions of whether this is illegal. Yeah, there's ones I was playing where one of the one of the me's was drinking and the other one wasn't to see whether the alcohol Jesus would affect Christ. <laughs> would affect the game. But there's a great there's a good try there, isn't there, darling? How that happens. I hope that is my wife there because I've been addressing everything to her. I, I hope it is because she's a lot hotter than my wife. That's <laughs> like, with that beautiful new haircut, darling. If it was possible to be hotter than you were before, you are now. You creep. <laughs> That actually, that actually became sinister. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like a threat. <laughs> oh, dear. There's so many things to talk to you about, and we've talked for ages already. Shall we stop talking to Charlie Brooker? No. Uh, shall we go on forever talking to him forever? Till you hear all that. Let's see. That'd be a good Twilight Zone episode where we just two men talk. Until everyone, until everyone attacks the, us. Could we touch the? We could do a touch the truck version of this. Of the, instead of the true or false, the last person who is alive wins. Well, I'll just say the Andrew Collins audio, but that's the best price. <laughs> how long, if we did sit here just unrelentingly talking, yeah. and the doors were locked, how long would, do you think it would be before we were being physically attacked? <laughs> I've often wondered with with Twitter. I, I yeah. wonder how quickly I could commit suicide <laughs> on Twitter if I just started tweeting my coordinates and a series of offensive, racist, <laughs> misogynists, terrible statements. Yeah. Um, how long it would be until... and yeah, Come on, you fucking pussies! That. Genuinely, how long it would be until I was killed. I would do that as a podcast, you see. That's, what, that's, the, that's, that's the kind of thing I like to have. I reckon, I reckon six hours. <laughs> if you're really a fast typist, yeah. you could, you know, six hours, I think. You could do you be. not think the police would arrive first and, and sort of save you? I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. You've got more faith in the police. Because well, actually, when that guy, when that student said those really terrible things about the essentially dead footballer, yes, Muamba, um, mm. um, and was making racist comments about this tragedy unfolding behind his eyes, he kind of was he was arrested fairly quickly. But he was, yeah, but he was quite an idiot, wasn't he? I mean, he, <laughs> he was, was basically well, I, sort of just I, sitting there. He was kind of, like, showing off, wasn't he? He was sort of drunk, <laughs> wasn't he? And going, yeah, I'm going to see that the events, you really... Yeah. Oh, well, now I'm in jail. <laughs> um, so he was just a twat. I mean, he, but I suppose... But Is the it police... so different than what we're doing but here, sure, Charlie? Is it? But surely did the police then wait till the next day? I reckon, <laughs> I reckon you, could, you could cut the police off at the party. If you were, if you were yeah. quick enough and you were goading people enough, I reckon... Well, let's give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> One day like, someone will like put treasure, that into... treasure yeah. hunt with Annika Rice. Just a sort of offensive... That's quite a new reference <laughs> for you. <laughs> that's, like, that's like fucking... It's quite that's popular. That's like something that happened five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, let's talk a bit more about you and see how we get on with that. Uh, you don't drive. You can't even drive. I can't drive, no. I can't drive. Well, it's one of those things, you know, you move to London. Yeah. And, yeah. I did a test. I took a test when I was 17. Oh, I so you can drive. I grew up in Oxfordshire. And, yeah. Well, no, I can't. You just really. can't because you're not allowed. Rubber. Yeah. I was a really bad driver in that I'd panic at the wrong times. Yes. And sort of like, I'd, I'd, I'd just hurtle at people and then I'd panic if I was faced with a box junction. But anything other than a box junction, I drove like a fucking maniac. <laughs> so, but no, I can't drive in London. And it's a weird thing when you realise there's a whole... It is a bit weird, actually, when you realise there's a whole... This sort of branch of existence that I have no experience of, that other people take you, for granted. If they you do get asked on the, the most dangerous roads, you won't even be able to go. I reckon I, I, reckon I could turn any road <laughs> into the most dangerous road. Um, I did fall asleep at the wheel once did in you? a driving lesson, which I thought was quite <laughs> impressive. Um, it's genuinely true. While going down Sires Hill, it's <laughs> a local reference to people who are in South Oxfordshire. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm f- and now I'm 41. So at what point am I allowed to learn to drive? It feels like there's not. I probably don't have. When you're 17 or whatever, your brain is probably malleable enough for you to be able to. I mean, you're fucking stupid when you're 17. <laughs> you're, you know, and anything can just go in and form around it. Your skull can grow around that knowledge. <laughs> but now there's this terrible carapace. I can't. You know, how am I going? to... I can't. 
Well, yeah, well, well I, was, I learned quite. I was very scared. I think I was similarly. I was a bit scared about it, and I grew up in the countryside. It would have been really useful mm. to drive. Uh, but I didn't, and then I came to London and I didn't, and then I, I learned when I was 26, and then I spent so much money learning to drive I couldn't afford to buy a car. And for, and so forgot. you had to walk while, while <laughs> pretending to be a car? <laughs> yeah, but I forgot how to do everything. All I, I mean, I wrote a character based mm. on it, but I just slightly self-referenced. Do you now, you now drive, though? Presumably. I do now, yeah, but I'm still not very good. That's part of the reason why I didn't want to go to... Because I get quite nervous and scared. I have an automatic car, so it's basically just a bumper car. That's Literally, if I'm driving You've got an it. automatic car. Yeah, it's automatic. What, what's the matter? You need to grab life. <laughs> God's sake, with both hands, not this fucking going around with... What, you've what, got stabilisers gra- on your bicycle? <laughs> you don't even drive. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if I could, I'd drive on one wheel. <laughs> That's how fucking cool... On a cool. unicycle. I'm going to learn to drive. Yeah, I'm going to take one of those drive. courses where you go and fucking learn... Why don't learn you learn to drive and then let's write to the dangerous... Part of the thing, I thought, do I want to spend a week in Bolivia with Phil Jupiter? I mean, I like him, but do I want to be in a car a with him week. for a week? With, has it got air con? You know, <laughs> it's got no. hot. Is it like, oh, but no. I quite like to go. I think we could go and drive around, you know, it won't be Bolivia, and then we could have conversations like this. Oh, well, we would. For, yeah, we go and drive for the, well, you could teach me to drive around <laughs> Gwent or something. Might be quite entertaining. So I'd do that. I'd go okay, and learn to that. drive on a succession of shows, yeah. It's pitched. Let's, that's what we're pitching it. It's going in. That's going to win a BAFTA next year. So. <laughs> could be a show where you're the driving instructor. Yeah, I could and, be the character. I was and you, you're, you're teaching various bits. So, like, I'm one week it's me, the next week it's a 17 year old girl. It's tense the whole time. <laughs> it's Sophie Ellis Bexter's daughter. The really babies, <laughs> non-existent baby. Yeah, uh, yeah we could. Uh, teaching, a, teaching a four-year-old to drive <laughs> would be amazing. In Bolivia, that's probably legal. <laughs> teaching a drunk four-year-old to, to be, drive. Should I be in character as the driving instructor character I've played? Or just someone who doesn't... I'm not really very good at driving myself. <laughs> so anyway, you've been in various controversies in your career. I'm going to take you through them all now, one by one. OK. First of all, when you wrote for PC Zone, you had a, drew a cartoon strip of a man... In a zoo where they killed animals. Yeah. Children killed animals. Well, what really upset people was that basically I went through the Argos catalogue and scanned in the Argos catalogue and there were lots of photos of kids playing with toys. So it was actually photographic as well. And then I found from Microsoft Encarta, which was a forerunner to Wikipedia, <laughs> yes, it, was, it was this sort of CD-ROM encyclopedia and it had lots of images of animals. And I spent sound up all night using Photoshop to combine the two. So I had children gleefully murdering animals with hammers, drills, something other. For some reason I thought this was hilarious. And for, and for some other reason the magazine printed it. And then it got pulled off the shelves of every news agent in the country and we got in terrible trouble um so See, yeah. if it had been a more popular magazine that could have broken them the, having to recall those magazines because yeah, there was, no, it was there just, so few it was all right <laughs> just, somebody went around on a bike <laughs> just ripped out yeah. the page and put it back that was, so that was uh, that was that was an early high that was point, a very yeah. controversial thing you were a very controversial thing you did where you said you where was um John Hinckley and Mark Chapman and the people... Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald. Oh, yeah, no, that was was weird. George W. Bush. That was a... I wrote... It was a screen burn column, and I just... It was a review of the presidential debates in 2004. And, yes, and I said that... um, 
that, that I, it, I ended, it was an old joke as well. That was the thing. It was an old joke where I remember seeing this bit of graffiti in a sort of Nigel Rees, like, hilarious graffiti <laughs> book, um, around the time of Thatcher that said, Guy Fawkes, where are you now that we need you? Yeah. And then I just ended this column saying, uh, John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald, whoever shot fucking Reagan, where are you now that we need you? <laughs> and for some reason this then got picked up by elements of the sort of right-wing American blogosphere and turned into a thing where they thought The Guardian, as a newspaper, was calling for the assassination of George Bush. And they would just recite this. And, and to this day, they still sometimes cite that. as a, Well, they, they say that, you know, right-wingers are fucking assholes, but, you know, liberals are fascists. Listen to this. In 2004, The Guardian newspaper called for the assassination. And it's so annoying, you fucking... Bullheaded cunts. Um, <laughs> so annoying. But uh, I got I got a load of death threats, and it was really scary for a couple of days because you just get. I realised belatedly that what happens is there's a whole sort of engine of right wing fucks who go around and. Well, I, I guess I say right wing fuck. I not guess that happens. Right to, it is not even. I guess it happens to anyone on any who falls foul of people on the internet. In my case, it was right-wing fucks writing to me. But they, um, they were sort of emailing me and saying, you know, I hope you fucking die. I'm going to come and smuggle... I know how to smuggle a sniper rifle through customs. <laughs> that was my favourite one. said, I know how to s- smuggle a sniper rifle through customs and it can take your head off from a kilometre away. So I would suggest um, that in future you walk under trees and constantly move in a zigzag fashion. <laughs> It's nice of them to give me some hints. <laughs> Survival tips. It's nice he's worked that out. Um, you know, I, I know how to just go to a shop and buy a sniper rifle in the country <laughs> I'm in, rather than smuggling a sniper Where can you buy a proper sniper rifle? rifle a sniper. I call it a sniper <laughs> rifle, which sounds sort of like a molestation. <laughs> but sniper. Um, so that's no, no, I got in trouble. Death you wrote for the Chris Morris paedophile episode of Brass Eye. Well, yeah, I contributed some sort of. It's a bit weird. I'm mean, working on something with Chris. Is like you do it via osmosis almost. So I think there were a lot of sort of <laughs> meetings where there would be ideas for things, and then you'd end up sort of suggesting all sorts of stuff that would then end up in the show. But I do remember that the News of the World named and shamed everyone in, involved oh, yeah. in that program just by they literally just sat there and paused the credits. And if I remember rightly, I think, knowing Chris, he'd put in some silly names. In the I think they just slavishly wrote them down. He'd probably like, included Hall and Oates or something like this. <laughs> Daryl Hall and John Oates, these paedophile cheerleaders. Um, so, you know, that was, that, was a weird, that was a weird time, I suppose, yeah. I mean, there, I guess he got probably, he got, he got all sorts of, you know, people jumping out of bushes and taking his photo and sort of saying, right. this is the most hated man in Britain and... And, and, and so on and so forth. So I didn't. I, I've, I've had it lightly compared to that. Yeah, mm. it's an amazing episode of Brass Eye, though. That was. So that was do you feel? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thing. It's yeah, a good it's thing. Amazing, to, was, that, was, was that before Nathan Barley and all that sort of stuff? Was yeah, that, no, because yeah. that was that was yeah, that was pre nine eleven. Right. The reason I can remember that is that it seemed a big deal, and then nine eleven came along. Right. Like you said, paedophiles generally seemed like the most <laughs> scary thing in society, and then nine eleven happened. If paedophiles had, had pulled off nine eleven, <laughs> we'd really, really hate them. <laughs> Do you think um, when nine eleven happened, a lot of paedophiles were going, "Yes, it's not us anymore." Possibly. Let's go out and have sex with some kids. <laughs> no one's going to care. They might have done in that there were probably a lot of traumatised children <laughs> who needed a shoulder to cry on, having seen these terrible images. And so for a paedophile, it probably was like a... It'd be great brilliant... if, if only the top crime counted. <laughs> as long as there was something worse. 
you, were, you could get away with it. So you're caught having sex with the child, go, come on, you haven't blown up the World Trade Center. <laughs> I've done a 9 11, you're on now. <laughs> that is how it works. I don't think that would be great. No, I think that's that would how be quite awful. That, that is how it works. Think, I've, I've thought about it. A second time. That is how it would work. If there was a prison <laughs> yeah. in which they had all the criminals in the world and there was a fire and they had to save them, they would work it out in that order, wouldn't they? I remember actually talking about the BAFTAs. I used to imagine going to things like that. I used to think if there was a terrorist attack, this is a great place to do it. Is at the BAFTAs or yeah. something. They'd kill everyone. And I used to try and work out where in the pecking order where my death would be reported. Because, <laughs> you know, if you were standing near... I remember very clearly being up at um, Edinburgh one year and Ricky Gervais was standing in the same, uh, was in the same room as Ricky Gervais. And we were in a building that felt, felt like a real death trap. And I realised if a fire broke out... It would be TV... Uh, joy as TV's Ricky survives <laughs> Blaze, even if he'd have to stamp me to the ground to get out of there. No, it's a quite... It would yeah. be an interesting one if you imagine a terror attack on the, on, on the BAFTAs to work out in what... Who would they put? Ant and Deck at the top? <laughs> you think Ant and Deck killed I think also Baptist, everyone else? I think, because there's a lot of, you know, respect. I think they'd go for the respecting actors first. Really? Well, no, it's hard to know, isn't it? I've thought the same thing about. I thought about the Oscars. Is it? Does it say something bad about us that we are planning terrorist attacks? Because I always not... do. I always do. I mean, I always think of the way terrorists could do better than they've done. Which, to be honest, is they had one early success, but they haven't really. I mean, what since nine eleven? Everyone talks about that, but since then, what they've done? I've got a, a good few, idea. Yeah, all right, a few things, but not. You know, what the I pants think... bomb didn't work, did it? The shoe bomb didn't work. You know Rubbish. what I think they should do? I thought of the, I thought of the bra bomb. <laughs> the bra well, bomb? Well, I thought, like, actually, I thought... I saw a buxom woman going through a um, through the thing at the scanner, yeah. and I just thought, why don't they just put bombs in their tits? That's what I, that's, that's what I thought. Because she was surgically they enhanced anyway. They probably can. They will can. do. They'll surgically do that next. So that's an idea. And now I've said it out loud, and I've got a lot of fans in Al-Qaeda. <laughs> they, like, they enjoy the references to obscure 1970s stuff. That's what they go for. I think they should just get two mopeds, <laughs> yeah. right, and a bit of razor wire between them and drive on either sides of a big crowd at ankle height. <laughs> so they slice off everyone's feet. So it's, it's, and then you've got a really weird thing where you've got thousands of people all severed at the ankles. Imagine the chaos, because some of them would die through loss of blood. The others, there'd be big arguments over whose feet was it. It would carry out in the... It'd be terrible. Um, that's the problem with terrorists. No imagination. So it's blow it up. Yeah, we blow it, blow up a plane, blow up a building. No. Um, but the main, that's what they should do. The, the main thing is people just getting slightly wrong feet, getting, getting home from the hospital, going, my shoes aren't fitting anymore. <laughs> Hold on. What do you think, if you've got somebody else's feet, you'd end up walking to the wrong places? Like in a sort of muscle memory, you'd walk to their house. If it was the twilight zone, that would definitely Is that how feet work? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, we've got to the hysterical stage. If you, can, if you push on far enough, I've found with these chairs. I go through a lull as everyone gets too hot. <laughs> and then we start getting hysterical. That's the second hour. Then the fourth hour, we haven't... <laughs> We haven't dared push onwards. What, what, you like running, I like running. You like all the same stuff as me. No. But you, then you're successful. You go running. Well, what do you, what do you get to go running? Yeah. It's quite good, I isn't it? Because you get first. to. You get... <laughs> and then you. Oh, you, then you oh, sorry. You me. did not run first out of everyone in the world. I did, me. Other people all went right, running. Euripides as well. and then me, it was. 
It's all right, isn't it? Because people used to say, I remember talking to somebody who used to go running and would say, oh, no, I used to, I, I like running. It gives me a chance to think about that. And I think, how can you think about anything other than I wish I wasn't fucking running? <laughs> and then well, after you've done it for about ten weeks, yeah. you, you, your, your, your mind what is good for thinking about. If I'm trying to write something I can't think about, I go running. But the problem is I have to... I do have to... So I wear a... Dis- this is really wanky, Sammy. I slightly wear a disguise when I go... Just because there's a kid who lives near me or who, who I went running one time. This kid who, like, lives near me came and cycled alongside me. The whole way going, oh, you're, you're on the telly. Like that, and asking... Didn't go away, just cycled alongside me for the duration of a whole fucking run. Look, made me look like I was... I don't know, like a reverse paedophilia thing, I guess, where I was trying to get away from him. Um, or that he was my coach. <laughs> Isn't it really weird? Um, so I sort of run in what hat what and this sunglasses. <laughs> I go running like in Like the disguise. Unabomber. You look quite. You do look. A, you do look a bit like the Unabomber. Actually, have you seen? What? The, the have Unabomber. You seen, <laughs> have you seen photos? I think you could play the Unabomber. I've just spotted it. Really? Said, Who do you look like? Oh, I the look like Unabomber. The young the Unabomber. <laughs> the young when he was still good looking. Only before he discovered for his. <laughs> If we went mad in a shack. Right. I used to get Lawrence Fishburne all the time. Those people said, you look like Lawrence Fishburne. Um, And once I was asked if I was Lawrence Fishburne, genuinely, uh, by a woman in a shop. Um, Because I used to shave my head. You see, and so they, I think I probably looked a bit more like that, even though he is black. <laughs> but true that, um, true that just revealed more of your mm. white skin. Well, yeah, to, I don't, to give like, the clue like he that just you plays not. black for the movies. Um, Blacks. <laughs> they come and go. I think what you do is disgusting. Yeah. There's not yeah. enough, there's not enough ro- roles for white men, so he has to black up. Um, <laughs> just oh, strange. <laughs> You're atheist. I was atheist first before what you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I played football manager in 1982. <laughs> I, I'd never played football oh, manager. Kevin playing, Toms. Yeah, I was playing the other mm. day. It's amazing. What? The, the, you, you were playing football manager on a Spectrum the other day. I was playing on a Spectrum emulator on my computer. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? I just found it and I thought I've got to have a little go at it. No, see, I, no, you see, because I. It's so simple. It's brilliant. I no, took York see, City from the fourth division to second in the first, the first division. You didn't. Not so. the Premiership, the first division. No, you didn't. Though, I did. did. You? I you took did. them there. You didn't. No, you didn't. You just pushed some buttons. <laughs> That's what you did. You pushed some buttons and it said, "Well done." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very arbitrary. I was playing, I was doing very well, and then suddenly you'd lose for no reason, and then it's fucked because it's all about morale. That's how they did it. Oh, in hang those on, days. wait a minute. You're, you're prepared to take the glory when you. Yeah. But, but when you fail, oh, I no, think that's Kevin... a, oh, it's not very sophisticated. This <laughs> it's, it's, I find it too difficult to play any of the current computer games, basically, but certainly the football manager. Well, ones. You can, now that you can get ones, but, you just swipe at with your fucking arms. You don't even need <laughs> a joystick, for God's sake. What's the matter with too you? complex. I, like, I play Yahtzee on my iPhone. That's my favourite one. Yahtzee's complex compared to, like, well, is, a Fruit complex. Ninja or something? It's a complex on it. I'll tell you how many... Let's We're going to play live Yahtzee this now. Is just, what the fuck is this? This is just... I want to tell you how, my, how many times I've played Yahtzee. I haven't looked at this recently, so it might be fun. Um, you know, depending on your definition of fun. Uh, <laughs> But this isn't even all the games of Yahtzee I've ever played. This is just on this phone in the last 18 months. I have played... Um, I've, w- I've won 1,639 games of Yahtzee. I've lost 1,092 games of Yahtzee. I have a 60% win ratio on Yahtzee, which is up from when I did Christ on the Bike. 
That means uh, I'm very slightly better at playing Yahtzee than a phone. That's a lot of time wasted there. It is. I had an idea for a game that was... You know, the, have you seen the Xbox Connect system? Yes. Where you basically just you, you physically act stuff out. And I thought there should be a game that really hammers home what a waste of time <laughs> these endeavours are, where you basically... The idea of the game is you build a school in the third world in real time. <laughs> like, so you, you get the bricks and you have to mortar them and build them. Then you have to teach a whole generation of children. And at the end it just says, well done. And nothing has changed. Um, but I see, I think if running is good for creativity, I think actually bl- obliterating your mind by getting concentrating on a computer game, I kind of for comedy, I find is good. Well, because it just means you're not thinking about anything, and then suddenly something will pop into your head because you're not because you, yeah. you think too hard about comedy and you can't come up with anything. Mm. As this show shows, we don't we haven't thought about a thing we've said, <laughs> and look how consistently amusing we've been <laughs> for a hundred no, minutes. True. Well, it is. It's like it's like. Shycock, isn't it? It's like not being able to piss it at your rhino. The more you worry about what the person next to you is doing with it, actually, that's a weird analogy, isn't it? But it's true. It you have to let go. Yourself. You have to. Let, I play a lot of pinball on the Xbox. On the Xbox, I just play fucking pinball on I it like, all the time. I love pinball. Adam's family pinball. That's what I want. You can get. Oh, you can get, you a, get an emulator. You can get an emulator of Adam's yeah, family can you? pinball. Oh, what on the Xbox? I think you can. Yeah, yeah I might get that. I give it. I give it four out of five. <laughs> the graphics are amazing. <laughs> Thumbs up. Um, no, this is very good. Uh, the pinball good. game on the, ex, on, on the Xbox See, what is I excellent. like about this is that sometimes when I watch interviews on TV, they don't talk about the stuff I'm interested in. <laughs> but in this one, you don't, you, none of you have been interested in uh, twi- the Twilight Zone or Adam's Family Pinball. I'm but fucking you, you, fascinated you are, by it. Right, so I can talk to you about it. It's per- you should all just set up one of these and then you can ask <laughs> the questions that you would like to ask. Then you wouldn't have to listen to the ones you don't like. You're idiots. Uh, so I think we may be... I, I might need a wee soon. And, uh, you know, this, your child's getting older. I've got to go and home and feed a baby, yeah. You might miss, you know, the first steps of your <laughs> child. He's probably, probably out <laughs> at work by now. There were so running many a things, brewery. There's so That's many something. things I didn't ask you about. But mm. I can't really go back. I just do you want ever wonder? I'll ask you this because mm. I think it's about myself a little bit. And I've like a lot. Well, a lot of comedians and comedy people are very intelligent people, and they waste their lives just doing stupid jokes about <laughs> rubbish. Yeah. Do you ever think? Do you ever think? Well, I've wasted my life. Done, you could have done something better than what you've done because you're quite clever. And you spent your life reviewing no. video games and watching TV and going, "That was a bit shit." No, I think I've. <laughs> I think I've been I think I've been incredibly lucky in that I'm I sort of I'm one of those people who constantly lives in fear of being found out as yeah. not like any good at anything he does. Do you know what I mean? Whenever I'm writing anything, I'm just thinking this is any minute now someone's going to come and slap this computer out of my hands and every week without fail if I write a column every week without fail I finish it and I'll go and, uh, and I'll sort of turn around to my wife or something she'll go how was that and I'll go just, just fucking shit I've just written the worst piece of fucking shit anyone's ever written I'm such a cunt I'm such a cunt and then it'll come out and it's sort of like people seem to think it's okay and so then I just think people are fucking idiots um <laughs> So I'm perpetually sort of... So, no, I sort of think that I'm actually in a position I do not, I do not deserve if I, if I have any... Taste any success or anything in, in, in anything. I, I sort of think I'm a hopeless, awful, awful person. Well, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> no, 
because it's impossible to waste your life unless you are literally murdering people. <laughs> You're not wasting your time. Because, frankly, I mean, yeah, you could go, what could you do? What would be a brilliant thing? You could go and design a fucking new type of suspension bridge or something. What was the fucking point of that? <laughs> Ultimately, when you look at the breadth and the, the, the size of human history, like I was saying about Spielberg, so fucking what? He's a collection of atoms, as is everything. <laughs> so you might as well do what the fuck you like. Okay. <laughs> Just saying, you know, maybe you and David Mitchell, Jimmy Carr, Lauren Laverga get together and, you know, solve some problems in the world. <laughs> well, instead of just going, here it's been difficult. Oh, aren't politicians all wankers? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, you know, I include myself in this. Anyway, let's, um, let's have a competition, then we can go home. Uh, so what we're going to do, this, how this works, is you can win all this amazing stuff. Uh, we're going to make some statements that are either true or false. You have to decide what you think they are. I need you all to stand up, but don't do it yet, until because otherwise it'll make a big noise and you won't hear what I'm saying. Uh, and so if you think the statement's true, put your hands on your head. If you think it's false, put your hands on your bottom. If you get it wrong, you have to sit down. And then whoever's left at the end will win these amazing prizes, and they would have won some merchandise from Charlie Brooker, but he didn't get the message till too late. I know, and I was standing by him. Cupboard full of amazing things, <laughs> expensive things, rare but things. Hey, Andrew Collins audio book that costs that costs five pounds on WW Go Faster Strike. You can uh, Chris Evans who uh, he made too many of them. He, he you know that thing where you can scan the barcode into mm-hmm. your computer and then it will oh, tell yeah. you how much you can sell it for. Yeah. Chris Evans tried that with the bloke who runs Go Faster Stripe. Tried it with the... Uh, uh, <laughs> he edited it all go right by Andrew Collins, hoping you could get rid of them, some of them like that, but they don't let you sell loads. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, um... Fucking hell. <laughs> he has quite a few. So, you know, he uses them literally as ballast when he sends me DVDs. <laughs> I'm just being deliberately cruel to Andrew Collins. It's all right. It's only a joke. Based on truth. So, right, we'll, um... <laughs> We'll, what you, so we need to stand up and then we'll make some statements and then we'll do it. You have to, it's self-policing. You can win those tickets. You can win, you can buy this. Oh, I, I wrote down where it was. Elliot Line, I thought that geniuses should be able to w- work out this. But if you go to lulu.com slash shop, you can buy it either as a physical book or as an e-book. It's, a, it's only for geniuses. I, say, I emailed him and said, oh, I, thought you'd, I thought if they had genii, they would... Uh, they would be able to find it themselves. And Elliot Liney uh, twisted, tweeted me back and said, it's geniuses, not genii. I, I thought I was trying to get in with him because he's yeah, a genius. I thought it was genii. Oh, yeah, no, he's not just making it up. Not according to him. And he's written a very clever puzzle compendium. How many copies of your screen white book do you, do you sell? I don't. I actually don't know. I, do I, I genuinely don't know. We saw, he told um, me he'd sold one extra copy more than usual as the, after he'd been mentioned for four weeks in this podcast. So um, the first statement of truth or falsehood is that uh, Ember Engelbert Humperdinck, uh, was, uh, who failed to win at the Eurovision Song Contest, is named after a German composer best known for his opera, Hansel und Gretel. Is that true or false? Hands on your head if you think it's true. Hands on your bottom if you think it's false. It was an easy one to start with. It is true. So if you said false, sit down. My wife's out. Which is probably a good thing. I think if she, if she won the tickets. Uh, have you got a statement? It's a ruthless way of... It is of, ruthless. Of, it's of, nice how they all just... If I was out there, I'd just pretend I'd got it right. But they, they all... 
They all do it. They're very. They're like sheep. It's amazed. They're idiots. You can't say they're that. All idiots. Pliant. <laughs> you could, fucking pliant they could win scum. All this stuff. Um, uh, I, ooh, a statement. I haven't got can one. Can be about anything. You don't have. To, I don't have to have it written down. It can be about you, yourself. A secret about yourself. <laughs> Only it might be secret, then you can reward um, your fans if it's something people know. Uh, I grew up in a village called Crowmarsh. True or false? True or false? I don't know. A lot of people just going for true, hoping it'll be true. We well, are fucking wrong. <laughs> Sit down. That oh, got rid Jesus of Christ! <laughs> Where did you grow Is up? Is that the way it's been? A, a village called Brightwell comes Sotwell. <laughs> Jenny, it's got the word better. "come" in the middle of it. <laughs> Did, uh, true or false? Engelbert Humperdinck, who... Um, These are mainly Humperdinck-based. <laughs> he, he got married to a show jumper. Is that true or false? Engelbert Humperdinck married a show jumper. True or false? It's like a hostage scenario. <laughs> All these people with their hands on their head or their arses. It is true. Patricia Healy. He married Patricia Healy, the show jumper. That is congratulations. You seem very sure. That went straight up there. You got another one? Doesn't have to be your oh, angle, but I'm I uh, um, hum- uh, no, you, do, you do I can't think of that I'll many. do one. Uh, during the interval, I was just checking uh, <laughs> the BBC news site and uh, got the very sad news. So it's, it's, it's not really appropriate for to do this as a trap, but we got the very sad news that the newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, has sadly died. Is that true? Come on. Is that true? If it's true, you're going to feel bad. Is it true or false? That is false. That one, that is, I do that one every week. If you, <laughs> if you were a regular listener, you would know. That is to weed, the, weed out the idiots. Paul but Kenneth Kendall. <laughs> he's very happily still alive. He's in his 90s. He lives on the Isle of Wight with his... Uh, Dog? His, his partner. Oh, okay. <laughs> Could be the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. Someone, actually, one of... I did it all through Edinburgh, one of Kenneth Kendall's... Relatives got in touch with me quite angry that I was doing it. Really? Uh, then I explained that it wasn't. They, I think they thought I was laughing. You should have pointed out that Kenneth Kendall wasn't a proper newsreader. They used to just legitimately, they were just actors then. On the they were. It was like Michael Aspel was a newsreader. Don't say that now, they're going to get in touch with me again. People, oh. are, people are, this is like the end of a football match. The people who have lost are leaving in disgust. But it's, 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 I can't it's, believe I haven't got. Well, no, it, it, it goes to show what a genius Kenneth Kendall was that we were so fooled yeah. that he was a, a brilliant Keith journalist. Keith Bees. Does he? Yeah. What a, lo- what a lovely man. Yeah. What a lovely living man. He's a lo- he's a lo- <laughs> I hope he lives forever. <laughs> I hope he does as well. Um, I'll give you another one. Uh, youth goalkeeper Ben White has been released from York City as a player from York City Football Club today. Is that true or false? I support York City, the finest team. Well, a lot of people gone for true. If this is false, there's going to be some red faces. Maybe people have looked up at the squad. It is true. Sit down, that lady there. Have you got another one? Oh, um, uh, yeah. Oh, God. No. Um, no. What the fuck? Could I, be anything. I, I, didn't do, I didn't do my prep. Could be literally anything. anything. You can make something up. That's the thing. But uh, don't, don't make the next one true, though, because they'll, they'll be expecting you to have made it up. Um, Sherlock Holmes is buried in Camden Cemetery. <laughs> is that true or false? <laughs> hey, I have fooled people with that before. Not the clever people of the Wikipedia audience tonight. They've all gone for false. Unless that is true, there might be someone else called Sherlock. It might be a very clever uh, double buff. Uh, Engelbert Humperdinck uh, was born in Madras, and he is one of ten children. <laughs> is that true? True or false? 
<laughs> a lot of people trusting the insane woman. And remember, she only shouted out yes halfway through the question. It is true. I've got rid of one more person again. Are there any secrets from your childhood you'd like to share? Oh, oh, I should. So what I should have been doing was thinking of another one. You should have asked it. Fucking hell, I'm an idiot. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, member of the uh, Buranski Babushki, uh, who is older than Engelbert Humperdinck, is called Natalia Pogolyalova. Is that true or false? It is true, like all my Engelbert Humperdinck's fans. So uh, I've got rid of loads there. Oh, it's how, many down, how many are we down to? Is it down to two, three? three. You're still in? I've got, I've got one. Okay, this could, this could be it. This could be it. Um, it's, uh, it's fucking through. We could have been talking about something interesting when we were doing it. It'd be thrilling. Uh, fishermen, uh, fishermen, Baltic fishermen used to believe that if a dead sea cow washed up on the shore, you had to have sex with it, or its sister would come out and drag you to sea. <laughs> Is that true, true or false? Or false? <laughs> well, it seems one man has gone for true, two have gone for false. It was actually Eritrean fisherman. Oh! <laughs> I, you, so the false is the false. Oh, the falses are still in. I thought we were there. So we, no, we're not there. We've still got one more question <laughs> to um, sort the men out from the boys. That's true. It's a, that's a true fact. It was Eritrean fisherman. That is good. That's a good one. <laughs> Um, Elliot Line, uh, who wrote the book The Very Clever Puzzle Compendium, a member of Mensa, he, as well as uh, writing puzzles, he is a professional golfer. Is that true or false? Gone, it's brilliant. It's the perfect scenario. One's gone for true, one's gone for false. Don't know anything about him, so I'm guessing that he, that he is not. So, sir, you have won, which is lucky because you're near the beginning. You've won all that stuff. Oh, the, tickets are in, the tickets are inside the book. Um, I hope you had a nice time. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time. There are tickets available for David Baddiel and Mick Frost from Off of Shaun of the Dead and all those. So that'd be well worth seeing. Uh, but please give it up for my amazing guest, Charlie Brooker, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Goodbye. Go away. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Left to Square Theatre podcast with my special guest, Charlie Brooker. The music was played by Pest. Hmm, they were good. That's, a, that's an unpleasant name, isn't it, for a band when you think about it? Thanks very much to Orange Mark and everyone at the British Comedy Guide and to my producer, Ben Walker. This is a Fuzz and Sky Potato joint production. How'd you like them, Sky Potatoes? <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed listening to my podcast from the Leicester Square Theatre. It's free. That's nice, isn't it? If you liked it and want to give something back, then there's lots of ways you can do that. You can uh, buy my merchandise from GoFasterStripe.com, including my book, Talking Cock, which has just been released, and the Fist of Fun DVD of the first series of Fist of Fun. Some of the money from that will go to Stuart Lee, so do think carefully about that before you purchase it. You can also get tickets to come and see me at the Edinburgh Fringe uh, in either Talking Cock the second coming, or in Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. Go to edfringe.com for details of that. Uh, you can get your name in the Edinburgh Fringe programme if you go to justgiving.com slash talkingcock and, and donate at least £15 to Scope, and your name will go down literally in history. 
There's probably some other stuff as well, but whatever you can do to, to pay back is a lovely thing to do. You can also listen to Ben Walker, our producer's other podcast, Do the Right Thing, which is on iTunes. See if you can get out of the charts a bit. You know, it's struggling a bit. It didn't win the uh, Chortle Best Internet podcast, so it needs as much help as it can get if you want to help the producer. But otherwise, just tell your friends about this podcast. That would be lovely. Spread the news. And uh, that is all I need from you. So go away and prepare for government. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.